Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Burrow bouncing in the pocket. His throw caught at the 10-yard line. T. Higgins straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a T.D. Welcome to episode 133 of Cincinnati. Yes, the Natter is back after well, we have a three-week break. Um, we found it quite difficult to fit into our schedules. It's been uh, strangely busy uh, for the off-season uh, in our personal lives. Hasn't it, Nathan Palmer? But you're back now, so everything's all right. I'm back from my um, my three-week vacation from Cincinnati. It feels strange, doesn't it, Sunlight? It feels like the season's... Uh, fair way off. It feels like the you know the off season activities with all the different the drafts and free agency feels like a distant memory. It's that real long point in the season, isn't it? But you know we're here to spice things up a bit, aren't we, Sam? That's right. Uh, just sprinkling a bit of uh, hot chili pepper onto boring summer, but it's not boring really because we're fully ensconced in the Euros, which is the from our American listeners the European Soccer Championship where. Uh, international teams get to play each other and that's always quite good fun you've been enjoying the Euros Nathan I have indeed it's not great for the liver really all these Tuesday games you know it's a not great time from an England fans perspective but um, yeah it's fantastic isn't it like a bit of a change and you know lovely to have it in the summer and uh, to sit out and watch the games at pubs and stuff it's a Rather, rather joyous experience. Exactly, I can see with a couple of Manabrias watching the Italy game. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> I still haven't found Manabria in my new locale, which is uh, a bit disturbing. I've just had to stick to Peroni's, uh, a tub of olives, and uh, some birra moretti, which I had yesterday watching the Italy game. So, but that's all right, though, isn't it? It's all good fun. Yeah, it's not. I've not. There's not a co-op near me that hasn't, so I'm a little bit like I went to a friend's house on Friday and he had a few, and oh, I tell you what, they just so crisp and cold and <laughs> smooth. Just, All right, oh, let's, no, let's. Peroni's a good set. It's a good second place Peroni, but it's it's not quite at the Menabrea level. No, um, unlucky to Wales and Scotland who went out quite early. Well, not Wales; they got through to the uh, last sixteen, but got uh, beaten by Denmark yesterday. We were recording this on the Sunday. We've got England versus Germany on um, Tuesday, but this isn't a Euro soccer podcast. This is a Bengals uh, podcast. And uh, since we last spoke to you, OTAs and minicamp have uh, finished, and in fact, minicamp finished early. Um, Zach Taylor told the team, I believe, he, he sort of dangled a bit of a carrot because uh, the NFL uh, kind of said there were certain stipulations that had to be, or certain criteria that had to be met before, you know, uh, organisations could open up fully and and mix and all the rest of it. Um, so I, th- I think what happened is he kind of said, you know, if you get, uh, guys, if you get vaccinated, then we can finish... Uh, mini camp today after one day and you can go off and enjoy your summer and that's what happened so quite savvy from Zach there I think he dangled a carrot and the carrot was chomped <laughs> well I think Zach Taylor knows full well that if the players are going to get vaccinated 
there's going to be a huge benefit for them when the season comes around. They're not going to have to adhere to such strict protocols and stuff. And I think, not to go into all the detail, but the league has sent out a letter, haven't they, saying that these are the rules if you haven't have been vaccinated. And I think for the Bengals' sake, you'd want as many players vaccinated as possible mm. um, to make sure that there's no quarantines having to take place and, you know, people are at risk from a health perspective and all the rest of it. So, yeah, hopefully a smart move if it was taken up by the players. Um, only one serious injury to report, and that's uh, Hakeem Edenergy. He tore a pectoral, so he's likely out for, you know, a good chunk of the season, if not all. Um, we're, Big we're, shame that, isn't it? It is, he, yeah. He's a young player that I think, you know, he played a few snaps last year. It was, a, you know, nothing particularly exciting. I think a few people had quite high hopes for him. I think a few, you know, advocates on Twitter were saying that he had quite a high ceiling and he could develop. So it's always a shame to lose a player, especially so early as well, mm. not even to get to see him in proper training camp. And that's a whole year that, you know, he's going to lose. So a real, real shame there. You really want to just try and get through those like mini camps without anything silly like that. So a real disappointment. But uh, good luck to Hakeem on his re- recovery. Yeah, very much so. I mean, he was a bit of a mixed bag, wasn't he? He looked really good in, in I think, his first game last year, his debut. Uh, he looked pretty good. And then it, he had a couple of dodgy games and then he looked OK again. And you could definitely see that something was there. So... I mean, what a shame for him. He must have been, like, uh, gagging to get back into it and improve. And, you know, because the second year, you know, you know what the NFL is all about and you want to, you you kind of know what to expect. You can, you probably made changes to your body uh, during the off-season because you know about more about diet and what it takes to be a good NFL player physically. Uh, So a real shame for Hakeem. What other little newsy bits? Well, I mean... Joe Burrow was was looking good in OTAs and and uh, that day of mini camp, some nice throws to Chase and to T Higgins and what um, he was running around, he was rolling out, he was looking pretty good. I I, I saw and I think he is definitely on track uh, to start in September, all being well. Well, yeah, I think he's ahead of schedule, isn't he? I think that was a would have been a bit of a dream for Bengals fans when he went down to think that he'd be you know, doing all of this stuff in May and, and rolling around and stuff. And I know they kept him, I think, on the second day, they, they held him out a bit and did put him through his paces too much. But he's the unquestioned leader of this team. He's gonna Our, our hopes next season are going to be pinned on him performing to a high standard. So I think where he is now is fantastic. You've got another, I think, what is it? It's crazy. I think it's only about five weeks or six weeks, mm. is it, until training camp. I think the Hall yeah. of Fame game is in six weeks, almost tomorrow. So it is going to roll around quite quickly. But that's another six weeks for him to get himself in a good place. I don't think you'll see a whole, you'll see a little bit of him in the preseason, I think, but they're not going to risk too much there. But no. I think unless there's some sort of major setback, he's going to be there day one and hopefully not just by a shoestring either. Hopefully he's fully prepared, that knee feels good and he's ready to go to Giza. Yeah, where, where are the Bengals at the moment? I mean, obviously they're in Cincinnati, but where are they in terms of uh, team building and roster and I mean are you feeling quite comfortable with the roster at the moment are you quite because I think it's easy to get once you get a big shiny new receiver like Jamar Chase and unquestionably he's going to be great it, it maybe it maybe shifts the focus uh, away from the weaker spots Do you know what I mean there's no question that wide receiver room on paper looks fantastic and certainly yeah. if Joe Burrow's back and firing then um that's great, you know, because you look at the targets last year, and Ty, by all accounts, T. Higgins looks extremely impressive. Um, he's also remade his body, um, apparently, 
and uh, which sounds weird, doesn't it? How do you remake your body? But I think he's beefed up. He's got stronger in 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 the areas that needed to be stronger. He looks physically more imposing, uh, and you know he had a fantastic rookie season. But you know, uh, and we talked about T Higgins, didn't we? You know, again, you can talk about Chase, but. T Higgins, and let's not disrespect T Higgins or Tyler Boyd because those two guys, Tyler Boyd got 110 targets last year. T Higgins got 108 targets last year. So uh, you add Jamar Chase into the mix and they look really good, don't they? I mean, on paper at least. Oh, the, the receiver room is spicy. I mean, that's a really exciting room. You've got depth, you've got, you know, star-studded talent there. I mean, like, who's, who on earth are you saying is wide receiver three in that room? I mean, it'd be disrespectful to any of them to insinuate that. So that's that's you're in a very strong position there. You're in a very strong position if you get Joe Burrow at 95% of his full health. If he, As long as he's in the right frame of mind and he's healthy, he's, a, he's an absolute asset. And I think hopefully this season will establish himself fully as a top 10 quarterback in the league. Mixon's a good running back. Um, behind Mixon, I think, P. Ryan is a big step up for him, really, to replace the void left by Geo. I think that's going to be interesting to monitor. He did have some good games last year, but I don't know. That's going to be one to sort of see what the drop-off is there. But you'd think if Mixon can stay healthy, he's a good running back and certainly a top-half running back in the league when healthy. So, you know, but you remember he had an injury last year, didn't play a whole lot. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see what he's got coming back and how sort of he's remade his body <laughs> over the off-season. Yeah. But... Um, the O-line still on, if you're looking at the offense, is the one question mark. I mean, you've just lost a Denergy as a sort of depth piece there. He wouldn't have started. Obviously, Riley Reef's a good pl- uh, player to bring in at the tackle position. Jonah Williams, you beg in that he can stay healthy um, and really sort of show what, you know, why he was a first round pick. So the line's better. I think the offense across the ball has improved. I do have questions about the defense, though. There's a lot of moves around on that. D-line, uh, you've got a gel of an almost entirely new unit together there. There's not a whole lot of players coming back. You know, you've lost a long-term leader like Gino on there. Um, obviously, Carl Lawson as well, who's a fantastic player. So it's going to be interesting to see what we've got there. I think the linebacker position has huge question marks there. And I think we've said this before, that when cuts, uh, roster cuts around the league come, I, we wouldn't be surprised at all if there was a player brought over. I wouldn't rule out a trade. I wouldn't rule out anything at this point. But I think there needs to be another player brought in at least at linebacker. That's the position that fills me with the most concern at the moment. Just going back to the uh, offensive line, um, with Adenergy down, let's just say, for the season, for one for sake of argument are you going out and getting someone else i'd probably just waiting for roster cuts really i mean I, mm. i'm not sure entirely who's out there at the moment I mean, there's obviously a lot of chat at the moment isn't there about de castro being released well, i was going to say when when and... david de castro was cut from the steelers whose offensive line now looks like our offensive line last year frankly i wonder if they'll go and sign john jerry or andre smith <laughs> like we did but um yeah i mean um De Castro is quite a tempting name, isn't he? Because, you know, obviously he was drafted in the same year as Kevin Zeitler. I know a lot of Bengals fans were very keen on De Castro and he's had a terrific career up until last year, really. Um, and, of course, he couldn't quite get back from, from an injury he had. And seeing a lot of, I mean, a lot of Bengals fans are like, oh, go, go and sign him now, go and sign him. But um, I think a lot of those people in the know are, are tipping him to retire because he. Just, I was going to say I'd heard that. Yeah, just not been the same player since his injury, which is a real shame. Uh, good for the Bengals in a way because they don't have to play him because he was a quality guard, one of the best 
yeah. in the NFL. But, I mean, are you going out and getting someone like that if he doesn't retire? I mean, what do you think? I don't think the Bengals are going to spend. I mean, I don't know what money DeCastro would want, but they're not going to go and spend big money on anyone. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to pull off any sort of blockbuster or anything close to it trade. There might be, if someone comes um, off of roster cuts, I think the Bengals would look at it and see what they've got there. But I think certainly on the line, prior to Adenergy's injury, they were set. I don't think there would have been any moves at all, really, uh, before, mm. obviously, training camp, before the season. But they may look at it again. Um, with the, obviously that, and you never know what's going to happen. I mean, touch wood, obviously, nothing silly happens in training camp or the preseason. You keep those guys in the right place. But yeah, I don't expect anything. I think they're set on the offensive line. I think Adenergy, you know, it's a shame you maybe give someone else some playing time, next man up type of thing. Uh, but it's definitely the linebacker position for me that I think that really is a bit of an area of concern. So, you know, uh, rookies, uh, Deontay Smith and Trey Hill might be pressed into action sooner. Exactly, yeah. You know, so uh, certainly Jackson Carmen will, I think, because um, he has got that positional kind of diversity, hasn't he? So it's going to be interesting. I think I probably would pick up a veteran just for insurance, I think, uh, and I'm not talking about, again, like a John Jerry, but, you know, a, a decent guy just in case. Um Lots of good noise coming out of camp about Quinton Spain as well. So I, I think I hope because I thought he was, I thought he did a really good job last year. As weird as it sounds, because the Bengals O line wasn't great, but I thought he did a good job pressed into action more or less straight away without any, you know, practice or whatever. I think he did a good good job, and I hope that he plays well because I think. I don't know. The jury's still out on Tufilo for me, so um, I'm hoping Spain will win that starting job, really. Yeah, I think it's just about consistency for the Bengals' uh, offensive line this year, just keeping the same guys on the field wherever yeah, you can. Yeah. I think the problem they had last season was just the constant rotation with injuries and poor performance. And someone like Quinton Spain being brought in, you know, in the middle of the season, it's always going to be difficult for him to get up to scratch with everyone and build that chemistry and positional awareness um for the scheme and stuff so i think that's uh, that's obviously going to be a big factor if they can keep everyone healthy on that line and really sort of say right you guys are starting this is what we're doing this is our first unit and they can stay healthy for a good part of the season mm. that unit will be better even even if you just have the same players on it the last year just the consistency is so important yeah. um, and i do think definitely on paper we're a better line than we were last year on top of that so yeah, I've, I'm sort of cautiously optimistic with the line, um, I would say. Yeah. So let's go on to do... Oh, I should mention, actually, we do have a special guest this week, and uh, it is Larry Black. Now, if you're saying um, to yourself, who's Larry Black? Uh, cast your mind back to uh, HBO's Hard Knocks in 2013, and you may remember a defensive lineman uh, who was showing promise, and then he went down with a horrific injury, which kind of ended his career and uh, uh, so why have we got him back um, um, in 2021 well uh, Larry is uh, or has been part of the Bill Walsh Minority Coaching Fellowship which the Bengals have, have taken part in and uh, it's basically uh, a bunch of African American uh, I believe and perhaps even Hispanic coaches I'll have to double check that uh, who um, invited along up-and-coming coaches, uh, invited along by NFL teams to be part of their 
off-season program to learn to sit in on meetings and to you know help further their careers and uh, there is a happy ending with Larry. He did he did manage to uh, get into coaching, and he's now defensive line coach at the University of Toledo um, uh, in North Ohio. So uh, I thought it would be a great idea to get him back and uh, say hello, find out what he's been up to, and uh, so yeah. So stay tuned. Larry's coming up in a little bit, and uh, he's uh, yeah, what a lovely guy, and he's got a great story to tell as well. Anyway, back to current day Bengals. Defensive line, you worried about the pass rush, the interior pass rush. They seem to have got more or less the ends sorted. I, I, I hope you'd hope Joseph Asai makes an impact as a rookie. You hope Trey Hendrickson, uh, you know, does the business and carries on his good form from last year. You hope that the likes of DJ Reader and Tyler Shelvin form an enormous wall in the run, uh, in a run defense, and I'm actually really looking forward to seeing those two play together. But have we got enough interior pass rush? Do you think? My concern is there's a lot of if buts, maybe's there. The only guy on that line that you can say consistently does the work and has done the work in the past um, is Sam Hubbard, old mother. You know he's being there he's a hard worker he's maybe not an elite talent but he's a very good player he's someone who's consistent he works hard you'd say he's you know what you're getting there Hendrickson's a good player but obviously he had that sort of one year I think a few people say that his stats were the sack stats were a little bit inflated for his actual talent I mean he's a good addition but I think he's not as good as Carl Lawson who we lost and obviously that line last year could not get pressure on the quarterback so as positive as a signing as that is it's not necessarily improving the team or the line so I don't know. Obviously, you've got some rookies in there. DJ Reed is a huge player. I mean, he's a. we've had him on this podcast. He's a top bloke. He's an elite talent when healthy, one of the best nose tackles in the game. Mm. But the problem is, is he's coming off an injury. So that's obviously going to be considered. Hopefully, he's fine. Hopefully, he's back to 100% because he will be a big asset if he is. Um, but uh, whenever you're getting rookies starting, especially if they're not first round, second round guys, that's where you start to you don't really want them to be playing too much. Um, you know, you want to be able to have a, a squad depth that um, you don't really need those guys to do much apart from in sort of rotational situations if people go down. So I am a little bit concerned. I think you lose Gino off that line. I was really hoping they could bring Gino back. I think there was a few people saying that, look, he was basically playing with it. It was a, with a torn pec or something similar than yeah, that right, yeah. or some sort of shoulder muscle or something last year. So, if he was healthy, I'd love to have Gino back. I know we sort of moved on from that sort of golden era of players now, you know, Green going, Dalton going, the re- all the rest of them moving on. But he, uh, you never want to even use this word with Gino, but even as a rotational guy, a veteran leader, whatever you want to call it, I think that we'd be better for having him, um, even if he's not quite the same player he was. But I don't know. So what are you, what are you, what are you saying when you're looking at that unit? Yeah, I'm okay with it because I I do think you know even with Ogin Joby, who's not as good a player as Gino in his prime, you're still going to get much more production from Ogin Joby than we got from uh, Gino last year because he was you know half the player that he was. And Mike Daniels is solid. We still don't know what we've got in Renell Wren. Um, I do like the addition of Shelvin because, as you said, I think it, he will be strictly rotational. And my problem is I think they did ask Reader to do too much last year because there just wasn't a lot of depth behind him. And when he went out, that really exposed that lack of depth. 
and the fact that Gino wasn't there, you know, well, he was there in body and spirit, but perhaps not 100% body, if you see what I mean. So I do think the depth is much better. I think what they've done really well across the board is add really good depth. And um, uh, I like the look of Osai, and I hope he's going to be used rotationally. And, you you know, best case scenario, he's going to have a similar impact that Kyle Lawson did as a rookie. You know, there's real flashes of speed and relentlessness and motor and all the rest of it. I'm looking forward to seeing what Hendrickson can do. Um, I'm OK with it at the moment. I'm OK with it at the moment. Um, yes, I do, I do think we could do with a really good three technique. But we were kind of lucky with Gino, really. Not many teams that get that kind of... Guy. But there's a few guys out there on the street, you know. Jarrell Case is still out there, who's a very good player. Um, but you got Josh Tupu coming back as well. He yeah, but he's more of another nose, isn't he? You know, and no, yeah, but he he showed some talent uh, the season oh, before did. last. He did, so he's yeah. an easy man to sort of forget. But that's what I mean. There's a lot of change on the unit. You know, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of guys that either are coming back from injuries or they weren't here or the rookies. You know, it's going to be an interesting one, and I hope that. They have a positive year, and then next year, maybe where they've got a bit more familiarity and experience, could really be a threat. But I think that's my only concern: is there's not there's not much you can sort of bank on on that line, really, apart from perhaps Sam Hubbard. There's a lot of like you know free agents, rookies, all the rest of it. So it'll be an interesting one to watch for sure. Yes, uh, I like the depth in the secondary as well. But again, there's a question of those guys gelling together. So you know. That's down to the coaches and the players, of course, in t- to have a really good training camp. But overall, I, I like what they've done and I like the look of this roster and now it's just all bringing it together, I think. And But you're right, though. The the only the one area that I think we need a veteran presence, uh, a decent player, um, uh, is the linebacker core. You know, I, you know, love Logan Wilson. I think he's great and he's going to be a really solid player. Jura's out and Jermaine Pratt. Uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither flashed last year, but then, you know, his playing time decreased as the year went on, which is never a good sign. Um, so, yeah, that the linebacking core is, is still... There's question marks there, put it that way. Oh, I mean, it, all it takes, and uh, again, like if there's an injury to someone like Logan Wilson, who's just sort of stand out there, I mean, behind that, you know, like you said, that that's a bit very worrying to me. Yeah, I mean, dicey. I think you need at least one quality player... And, I mean, obviously, it's hard to find. I mean, I know that, um, you know, there are guys out there and stuff and it will maybe come down to the money or, you know, what, what maybe I, I don't know what it will come down to. But I do think the Bengals will have to add someone at the linebacker position. Yeah, you know, even, it's even if it's bringing Josh Bynes in. back for, like, a bit of a exactly. steadying influence, you know, I think it kind of has to happen. And, and we've, you know, Josh Bynes personality-wise and leaders, leadership quality, absolutely great. Player, you know, still middle of the road. Pretty good, gets exposed sometimes, but um, we could do with someone like him back there. Um, um, but yeah, it's I don't know. I, I like the look of this roster, and I just just really hope uh, they can pull it all together because there's been so much uh, positivity this off season. It would be such a shame if if that positivity uh, sort of goes down the drain in in, a, in about a week or two. Uh, into the regular season, do you know what I mean? So um... I think I think it'll all be how we start. I've said that the last two years. We we desperate. We've been playing very well in those first two games of the season. I watched that first game of last season um, back again uh, a few weeks ago. 
And you just think, Jesus Christ, that AJ Green touchdown, I mean, that offensive yeah. pass interference, that could have been given either way. If that hadn't yeah. been given, I think you'd have had the same um, the same sort of thing as if it had. It was John, really That John Ross though. drop as well. Yeah, and I, I just think... It, like, Joe a bit Burrow like overthrowing AJ as well for a yeah. wide open score, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just think if you got the wins in those games, it might have been a different outlook. You'd have got the fans right up. You know, the the positivity would have been there. I think you really could have had a much better season. I'm not saying we would have, you know, lit it up by any means, but I think it would have been a much different season than it was. So I think it's all about how we get started, get some momentum behind the team. My prediction is we'll put up a lot of points this season. I think you could tell the way Zach Taylor was playing when Joe Burrow was healthy, sort of midway through last yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. They were throwing the ball. They were aggressive. But is that um, it? Was that to play. was that because uh, more because um, they kind of knew that the offensive line wouldn't stand up for any longer than like two seconds, so they had to get the ball out quickly. They couldn't block for Toffee in the run game, so it was all about throwing the ball fifty. You know, four. Yeah, I mean, possibly so, but I mean, I I think that's how he'll want to. I think he'll want to get the ball out quick. I mean, you're going to want to put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands, aren't you? You're going to you've got some incredible weapons that you're going to want to get it in the hands of. Um, so I think that's. I think we'll score a lot of points. I think it's a good offense. I hope CJ Zama can come back. It's a you know obviously it's an Achilles injury. It's a big injury to come back from. Um, he would be a very good weapon. Joe Burrow, like you know, there was a bit of a relationship forming with them two before he went down last season. We need to see more from Drew Sample. We, but we you know he'd be a great um, player to sort of have a step up this year um, if anyone was going to. So that that'll be interesting. I think we'll score points. I think we might be a very exciting team to watch. But I think we might ship quite a few points. I think there might be some sort of 35, 31 type games we see quite a lot of um, throughout the season. Well, that's all to come. Um, we, uh, I think we're going to take a break after this podcast, really, like most other people enjoy our summer. We've got lots of sport on. There's cricket, Wimbledon coming up. There's uh, the Olympics. There's uh, the Open Golf, if you're into golf. Uh, and then we'll be fully rested and back uh, in uh, the saddle for training camp and obviously pre-season. Then the madness back on the roller coaster in September. Um, but anyway, as promised, we do have a special guest. So let's bring in Larry Black. And as promised, we have a very special guest today. He is former Bengal defensive lineman, now defensive line coach at Toledo University. It is... Larry Black, Larry, how you doing? I'm doing good. You know, can't complain. Uh, we're right in the middle of uh, like camp recruiting season. You know, with things opening back up, so been busy on the road at various camps or either our camps here at the University of Toledo. You know, just going around evaluating some good talented players and and seeing guys who help and make the Rockets better. But I've been pretty good. Can't complain at all. Well, that's, that's really good to hear. Um, I asked you before we came at my press record whether um, you're okay talking about a certain TV programme because I think it's fair to say most Bengals fans will know the name Larry Black and remember Larry Black from the yeah. 2013 Hard Knocks series. And yeah. it didn't go well. It started going really well. And yeah, then it went work, really yeah. badly, really quickly. And I think lots of Bengals yeah. fans were absolutely heartbroken to see what happened. Can you, well, let's just give a little bit of background. You were born in Cincinnati. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. Born, 
Born in Cincy, uh, grew up a Bengals fan. You're right. Just being born down in Cincy. Um, then, you know, played my high school ball at Wyoming High School there in town. Um, then was blessed to get a scholarship and play at IU, you know, was a four-year mm-hmm. there. Uh, was a solid player there. Then, you know, graduated from there and got the shot with the Bengals, you know, as a free agent and, um, you know, and then got got rolling with those guys and, you know, and boom, you know, the injury happens and, mm. and that's part of the game. You know, I, I tell my guys all the time that I coach, the game could be taken from you in a blink of an eye. And yeah. I lived it, um, you know, so it's, it's part of it. You know, when you sign up to play football, you know injuries come with it and you got to brace for that, but you also got to be able to attack it and, and understand what comes with it and, and have that in the back of your mind as well. So it must have been a huge thrill to to sign with the Bengals as an undrafted free agent. As you say, you were a Bengals fan. Yeah. Suddenly you're on the on the practice field with, uh, with Geno Atkins and yeah. Carlos Dunlap and... You know, if people remember that that series, uh, the coaches were beginning to talk you up. You know, you were making real progress. Yeah. Um, just tell us what it must have been a real thrill to be on that field. Yeah, right? it was. Like I told you, I grew up a Bengals fan. So, you know, I, even through college and stuff, you know, I always seen Pecco and Gino out there, you know. And now I'm on the same team with those guys. It was it was big time. It was something that that was really, really a huge blessing and something that I was very excited about. And I also felt like I was becoming a better player. Um, mm-hmm. hey, the D-line coach, you know, I thought he did a fantastic job and, you know, allowed me and gave, giving me an opportunity to continue him and Coach Lewis. They were they were pretty top-notch and high-care guys. So mm-hmm. I felt like I was catching my stride as not only, you know, just getting better as a player, um, you know, and I felt like I was reaching that and. It was it was a good deal, you know, being being blessed to play with the Bengals. That that was something. So if you uh, can, and if it's not too traumatic, what happened when uh, um, when the injury was was sustained? You know what I was. It was like a power play. I was on the backside, so the center like back blocked me. Mm. Was fighting a, a fighting against a, a a down block and was pressing against my visual key. Uh, my pressure key, I should say, he came down on me and I'm pressing against him. And I feel Wallace Gilberry, I don't know what happened. He kind of got tossed into my leg that was posted into the ground, my ankle. And he kind of got slammed into it. And it was like in a blink of an eye, I looked down and my leg was facing the other way. Mm. And it did. I didn't even feel it at first until I like looked down and was like, "Oh, my foot is facing this way." <laughs> they snapped, and that's when like the panic came in. Like, "Oh, damn! Like, what's going on?" And then that's when you know it, it kind of hit me. Like, "Yo, this really just happened in a blink of an eye." Mm. So that's kind of what happened. Like, you know, all I know is. I got a guard who pulled. I transitioned my hands to the center, and I'm fighting against that on the backside of a play. So I'm thinking the play is almost over. And then, like I said, the towards the tail end of the play, it kind of got, like, tossed into my leg that was posted up. And- mm. Wow. I'm, 
I think your reaction. I mean, you were in tears. Uh, I think you probably yeah. knew that it was a it was a serious injury. Well, you knew it as soon as you saw your leg. I'm guessing, but yeah. just to have that confirmed that you had to go to hospital, we were heartbroken for you because you know hard knocks is that kind of TV show where they build yeah. up the characters and yeah. root yeah. for them, and you were one of the guys that were rooting for, and then bang, what happened after hard knocks? Because that's something that we don't see. Now, we know because you're a respected coach. There's a happy ending to this story. Yes. How how difficult was it in those first few weeks? Probably had surgery and then what happened? It was, uh, you know, I had the surgery and then it was kind of like I couldn't get right active right away. So, you know, it was kind of like the little depressed day, you know, where you kind of. You kind of like feel a little sorry for yourself and you, your head's down a little bit. I think everyone goes through it when they have a dramatic injury. Mm. Um, but then I kind of came out of it. Um, you know, I was still at home with my parents and, and my wife. And, you know, I had had them around me to to bring my spirit back up. But those first, like you said, those first two weeks were, were pretty rough. But, you know, what happened was I was blessed because you know, I think I was doing so well during camp that the Bengals just put me on IR and brought plans to bring me back for the following season, which mm. which happened. Um, but then I kind of transitioned to that rehab stage, um, you know, where I had to attack that and, and had those mental barriers, you know, like, it, is my ankle going to be okay? Am I going to be able to achieve mm. at the level that I was at? Um, which which ultimately it was, it, it didn't happen, you know. Mm. At that level, you come back and you lose that one step, you're out the door. And that and that comes with the game. Like I said, you know that when you sign up to play in the NFL. Mm. Um, but, you know, the rehab came. Uh, their training staff did a fantastic, fantastic job of pushing me daily to become, you know, where I need to go um, and, and get better from that standpoint. Um, it was tough, though, you know, mm. pain, you know just battling through your, you know, getting that flexibility back in the ankle, building up those muscles, letting the bone heal. It was a daily grind. Um, And it was a, it was a one where you kind of learn a lot about yourself, Um, but it was good. You know, I tacked it head on and and wanted Mm. to get better and, and, and allow, give myself a chance to come back that following season. Um, So it was fine. So, So when did you, you did all that, and you wanted to give yourself a chance. When was the moment it dawned on you that actually I'm not going to make it as a player? That must have been a crushing moment, right? I, I think, yeah, I think it was the Jets preseason game. And I kind of like, I, I kind of like had a play where like, like nine times out of 10, I'm like, I normally like make that. I like, I'm normally doing this, doing that. Like I'm more active than this. And I just didn't have it. And it kind of hit me like, yo, think my ankle like I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this um and then my like be so sore after practice and you know it was just just one of those things where you were like okay this this might be it for for me um which I kind of you know I kind of knew in the back of my head but until it really hits you you know it's like ah you know um but we can't play the game forever and I knew that before I even started playing football, like mm. football was always a was always like a outlet for me to 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 be and get better and like reach goals and things. And I did that, you know, mm. I did mm. that I reached the NFL and I did that. 
And would I love to have played 10, 12 years? Yes, for sure. Love the game. Um, but that I think it was – we were playing against the Jets preseason game. I think Vic was actually quarterback. Um, and it was just like, ah, I didn't make like make a tackle. And I, like, got rolled up. And I was like, yeah, this might be it. Mm. But as we know, as I mentioned earlier, there is a happy end to the story because – Mm-hmm. chose to go down the coaching route, right? Yeah. So, yeah, what, I probably. mean, what, what, how far after you yeah. decided to stop playing, did you go into coaching straight away? Was that a no. decision, quick one, or, or what happened? Yeah, you know, what happened was, like, when I, when I got done, you know, when I got released from the Bengals, I was like, um, I think I want to try, like, the corporate world. You know, I had my degree, you know, I was, was – that graduated from IU had a very good degree. Uh, I actually took a job with US Bank. So US Bank is a big bank in town, downtown uh, Cincinnati headquarters used to be in Cincy. Um, I started in their leadership development program was a really cool, unique program. Um, I did that for like six, seven months, Mm. but hated it. It wasn't me. It wasn't for me. You know, I felt like I was faking the funk. Uh, like gained a bunch of weight. Like I would come home, my wife would just be like, you're not right. So what happened was I came home and like talked to my wife and she was like, why won't you be a coach? Um, And I'm like, you know what? I never thought about it. I think I could be a really good coach. You know, Mm -hmm. I always had the connection, you know, the love for the game and the passion. I was like, I think I could be a really good coach. So what happened was I literally, that night when she said that, copying and paste the same text message, just changed a couple things and sent that out to every coach who recruited me, coached me, like, hey, this is Larry. I'm looking to get into coaching. Uh, please let me know if you got anything available, volunteer, whatever it may be. I want to get my foot in the door. So what happened was Mike Yeager, he recruited me. He currently coaches at Tennessee Chattanooga right now. He was the head coach at Carthage College in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's right up Chicago. Really good, good program, good school. I went there and coached the D line there, um, and then that's when my coaching journey kind of be, began. And um, been rolling, been rolling since, you know. And it's still a very young coach in the profession now, so I'm very blessed on you know what what's going my way. But that kind of was a transition into coaching. Mm. Oh, what a, what a brilliant story! And you must have had to kind of, as you say. It must have been weird driving into Cincinnati every day, perhaps even past Paul Brown Stadium, knowing, hold on yes. a minute, I was there a couple of years ago, yes. man. That's tough yes. to, to swallow. Yes. It was, man. It really was. But like I said, I kind of got to the point where I knew I knew my story had a different path to it. Mm. You know, trust God, I'm like, you know, I, I knew it just had a different trajectory to it, and I, I just had to trust that process and follow it. And and um, t- and time's a great healer, right? Yes, time, mm. time heals all. Mm. Mm. Time heals all. Well, um, we're I'm I'm personally delighted, and I know lots of fans who love that series of Hard Knocks will be absolutely delighted. But you know that you you you're making a name for yourself as a coach at a, a university, and what are your goals? Is it is it to get back to the NFL, or you do you think about that, or is it kind of like? You just focus on what you're doing, the kids that you yeah, work with. I, doing I, I, I'm living in the I'm living in the moment right now. Um, 
I, I, I want to become the best college defensive line coach. Like where my feet are at, that's where I'm at. I want to keep getting my guys right at the University of Toledo, keep allowing them to excel on and off the field. Like I'm so enticed with that, um, that process of like, how can I get my guys better? Mm. I get myself better on a weekly basis, like, living in the moment, you know, taking it day by day. What can I do to get better? What can I do to make my better and our team a better team? That is, I'm, I'm so entrenched and rolling mm-hmm. with that. So, you know, just, just working from there. But now, does opportunities come and stuff happen? Yeah, but right now, like, the focus is what can I do to get Toledo a better be the best team in our conference, be one of the better teams in college football. How do I do that? And mm-hmm. let's and attack it. And how can I be the best husband, you know, best father, best son, best brother? Like what can I do to 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 best, best podcast host? You know, you can do yes, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like like what can I do to excel at those little things? That, um, that's did any of you, uh, the former Bengals, keep in touch with you and offer support? People like Jesus? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, what's funny, Brandon Joyner, he was on IR with me. He's currently a defensive line coach at Arkansas State. Ah. Yeah, he he, he tore his ACL that year, too. Um, and he did the IR rehab thing, same thing. And kind of same story. Now, his wasn't as one on hard knocks and all that stuff, but it was the same year. Mm. Uh, He's currently coaching, you know, but yeah, I, I keep in contact with some of the guys, you know, I talk to him time to time. Uh, you know, Dante Moach, um, mm-hmm. I talk to him, Peco, I reach out to him, you know, and, and things from that. So I, I do kind of keep in contact with a lot of guys. That's cool. Now, it kind of at this moment in time, it's come full circle, or even though the circle for you is, is carrying on. Um, you're sort of involved with the Bengals again this offseason, yeah. aren't you? Because um, they selected you, I think is the right phrase, for yeah. the Bill Walsh Minority Coaching Fellowship. Just talk about that that initiative. Is it something that you sign up to and then you get oh, yeah. selected by teams? Yeah, so it's it's a it's a pretty uh, challenging spot to get. So you're applying, you apply to all 32 teams and you know, teams select who who they who they want to to enter and go through the internship, and I was blessed to be selected by the Bengals. Uh, it's been great. It's been been really good experience. Mm. You know, one experience with the coaches. Uh, Doug Rossville kind of runs it, and he he does a phenomenal job. You know, with being the four of the people involved that getting us the experience and getting us through the day-to-day stuff. Coach Taylor has been great. All the all the coaches have done a phenomenal job. It, whether it's meeting with us individually, you know, team meetings, whatever it may be, we've been getting a really good, good eye-opener look at, at what it takes. So what does it entail, uh, Larry? You're, you're involved with team meetings. Do you get one-on-one sessions with the coaches? Yes. Or? Yes. Right. Yeah, so you get one-on-one with the coach and you get the, the team meetings, you know, you get – the live look at certain things, film, position meetings. Uh, I was in Coach Golden position meeting the other day. He was coaching up the linebackers, you know, just observing and learning. It's it's like a full look at the whole spectrum and, mm. you know, and, and learning, you know, mm. about the game and picking up little things here and there, um, you know, learning about how the NFL works. We're so much different from the NFL and college football. Just 
every little thing, just trying to pick up things um, from the whole focal point. I was in a rookie meeting where, you know, they were going over the new rules of the NFL and, you know, just seeing those guys and talking to those guys like, hey, I was in your position. Stuff, <laughs> it's, it's been great. Is there anybody on the team still there from your day? I'm thinking maybe Kevin Huber and Clark Harris. That's about it, really. Those, 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 those guys, those are it. I think those are it. See, if Gino, if sorry, if Gio and Gino would have been around one more year, imagine that would have been. Imagine oh, them man. seeing your face on the Zoom meetings, man. That would have been. Gino, Gino, man, that guy. He's a he's a legend, man. He did. He's a big time, big time. Mm. So how long? How long have you got left? Is it over now, or have you got some more time with? Uh, yeah, it's still some time left. Hmm. It's still some time left. So that's cool. You know, we just go by weekly and, and make sure we keep our schedule very flexible. So yeah. It's still- I'm left. It goes. Well, uh, Larry, uh, it's been great to talk to you. And I think so many people out there will be delighted to hear that your, your, you know, your star is rising. You recovered mentally, mm-hmm. physically. And now, you know, who ankle, knows? The ankle was good. The ankle was good. Was was playing some staff hoops on it today. <laughs> okay. You know, I run around and, you know, do all that stuff. So it, it was good. I, I am blessed and, you know, just working and, and excited about what's going on. Excited for the Bengals this year too. Right, so, absolutely. I think we all are really kind of cautiously yeah. so, right? So um uh Larry, thank you for the time. It's great to speak with you and uh listen yes, sir. You good you know, best of luck with the with the coaching career. Do come on yes, again sir. sometime, yeah. We'd love to hear Yeah, we'd we'll love to. We'll love to. Anytime. Anytime. There you go. That was lovely Larry, as I like to call him now. And uh, what a great story, man. I mean, I think I had to really check because when that group of names on the list of coaches kind of, I don't know, not hired, but accepted by the Bengals uh, as part of the Bill Walsh uh, Minority Fellowship scheme, I thought, I, I recognise that name, Larry Black. Did you? And I Googled him. It's like, that, that's it. that is the Larry Black, isn't it? And I managed to track him down and um, do you, I mean, you must remember that uh, Hard Knocks episode when he went down and it was just heartbreaking, oh, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's, I, you could see what it meant to him in there. I know he was very emotional at the time of the injury and stuff. And when you're trying to break onto an NFL roster, I believe he was undrafted. You know, that's it's, a, it's not the sort of luck that you want in that situation. But full credit to him, you know, going down the coaching path, got his job at Toledo. Um, and great for the Bengals to have him back as part of the scheme. And I wish him the best if he comes across as a top bloke, you know. So, go on, Larry. Yeah, go on, Larry. And I think it just shows you, doesn't it, out of adversity, kind of, he was floundering from a little while trying to figure out his life and, and realising the corporate world wasn't there for him. And then, you know, uh, and then settled into coaching. And by all accounts, he's he's a real name to watch um, on, on the rise. So... You're right. We we can't really wish Larry enough uh, best wishes for the future. Wouldn't it be great? Larry Black, defensive coordinator, five years time in Cincinnati. I'm calling it right now. How about that? Um, right. Just to end off, we thought we'd have a little bit of fun and um, um, and talk about the Euros, so all our American listeners can turn off now. Um, so basically, what which uh, which Euros team? most resembles the Bengals, do you think? Um, uh, so let's break down the characteristics of the Bengals. That I would say they've got good skill players, perhaps a bit of a soft centre, 
not a great defense or sort of you know the big muscular chap so who who would that equate to in in european championship international soccer team parlance do you think do you know how rep we are i go on the czech republic czech republic 100% made the final once like yes. back in the okay. euros like, yeah, like similar that. to the Bengals and lost in the final yeah got some good players like joe burrow is patrick um, not patrick sheet um, thomas susek like the real yeah. star player in the middle like you know highly valued highly rated <laughs> then you got some other good players like that patrick sheet could be like jamar chase you know he's got three goals in the tournament they flashy like they scored the best goal of the tournament by a mile the czech republic that goal from Schick from the halfway line was fantastic they're actually playing as we're doing this podcast that's right nil nil against holland giving them a good account of us yeah that's what i mean we're giving mm. a good account of ourselves the bengals here like we win this quarterfinals <laughs> like but we've got to be realistic we're not one of the top teams we've never been one of the top teams for a considerable period of time so i think that's about where we are and you know czech republic like they beat the netherlands tonight the road to the semis in the final you've got england along the way there exactly. maybe if we beat germany like it's, no, you never know. You never know. Well, a thought did cross my mind that we could be the Bengals could be England actually because <laughs> because we've got good skill players. Defense is dodgy. We've been to the final like once. <laughs> yes, we won it, and the Bengals haven't won it. But do you know what I mean? We they they constantly flatter to deceive. We've never won the Euros though, England. No, that's right, never. But you could all, maybe Croatia. They've got good skill players. They've got to the final. Uh, couple of times in, in world joe Cups burrow the luca modric exactly right. Right, that's what i'm saying modric yeah. moving the play around like you know nice exactly. passer of the ball exactly quite elegant yeah so uh so i think that that's uh, that's it uh jamie at trequart beast has said should gareth bale get a chance at being a kicker after his penalty miss <laughs> i think that's uh a good shout. If you saw that penalty miss, he kicked it high. I don't think I've seen a penalty missed so spectacularly before. Um, but poor old Wales, eh? Poor old Wales. But then again, not so poor old Wales. They they kind of punched above their weight again, didn't they? And um, it's a shame they didn't get through there. They got battered by Denmark, really. Do, do you know what? Do you know what is an interesting trend in sports? This is me going on a bit of a small rant here. Uh-oh. I don't like how the NFL have done it as well, how these group stages, almost everyone gets through. Like, I think it was like, yeah, you know, yeah, was yeah, it like yeah. six out of the eight teams get through. It just feels a little bit like, it's like the NFL now, where I think it's the three best second place teams get through to the playoffs and stuff, just to sort of give you some more football and give people a chance. I just think, you know, you play three games in those group stages and it's like, you know, what you need three points to get through might do. I think the Ukraine got three, and it's just like you're sneaking through in third place with that. It's like, you know, is that, I don't know, I'm just not a big fan. I think there's a situation where you could have even possibly, if the games had gone a certain way, a couple of people could have got through two points. And it's like, yeah. I don't know, I'm not, not a Devalue, big fan of that. Devalues it a little bit, I think. Yeah, and I, also, I don't like I, in the NFL either. I don't like yeah. it how... You know how the, we said this before about how you know those three teams get through now, and you could get, potentially get teams sneaking through to the playoffs with like seven and nines and stuff like that. It's just it devalues a seven, wouldn't it? Soon to be seventeen game season now. I just mm. think that I am not not big fan. Some no, I'm with you, and I also think the the concept of uh, God, we're really going off on a tangent now. The concept of not having a home country is oh, awful. That you know, terrible. You look at 
the amount of travel that, especially in this COVID climate, uh, it's not a good thing. Anyway, back to the Bengals. Pete Dantzler has written an essay on this subject, so better give Pete some uh, some credit here. The CB room is like England. On paper, it looks impressive and has all the parts, but can't help thinking they will ultimately fall short and not live up to their hype. O-line is like Scotland. Just pleased they managed to get this far, but we all know it's going to end up in tears. Expecting some emails on that one. Um, wide receiver room is like Italy. No one paid attention to them. Then all of a sudden, they're quick, dynamic and good to watch. Quarterback room is like Portugal. It's only about one man, right? Uh, special teams is like Denmark. Sneaky good. Well coached, not world beaters. Running back room is like Belgium. There's obvious talent there. Quick, dynamic, and a bruiser up front, but will they get far enough? D-line is, is like Sweden, under the radar, big and physical, uh, but they need to be greater than the sum of their parts. And a linebacker room are like Hungary. Uh, no one other than their <laughs> fans knows who they are. Um, Pete's obviously thought about that. There's some good comparisons in there. I like that. There's not many. Uh, none. I don't think I disagree with any of them. That's a good little breakdown there. Yes, uh, an exhaustive breakdown there from Pete's Dadwell. From Pete's Dadwell. <laughs> from Pete Dadswell, I should say. Uh, you wouldn't expect anything else from Pete. Um, so we're going to carry on and enjoying uh, the uh, Euros. Uh, we may have a podcast or two in the upcoming weeks. We'll see. We'll just drop it like it's hot, as they say. And uh, we're also planning something rather large for the autumn. We may have some watch parties throughout the summer, so do watch out for our uh, social media, at Hooday underscore UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on and Bengals UK on Facebook and YouTube. Hope you all liked the uh, video that we did the, that was part of Jim Foster's Jungle to the Hall event. If you haven't seen that, that's all over our social media. So again, have a look at that. Did you see that video, Nathan? Did you enjoy it? I did indeed, my son. Very impressive and a fantastic representation of Bengals UK in that video. Um, and obviously, you know, brilliant what Jim's doing over there as well, raising awareness of getting those geezers into the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, a fantastic job by yourself. Thank you. I enjoyed doing it and uh, had to call in some help for that one. But, uh, yes, it had the desired effect. So go and have a look at that. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, do keep in touch with us. Uh, we'll see what happens, if they're going to make any signings. Uh, but until then, enjoy your summer and have a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.